You're listening. You're listening. You're listening. You're listening to Music Biz 101 and more. If you want to learn about the music industry and you don't know where to go, tune in to WP88.7. Music Biz 101 and more, Brave New Radio. You're probably listening to the podcast possibly on the Spotify, the iTunes, or the SoundCloud. Go to musicbiz101wp.com, sign up for the newsletter, follow us on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, at musicbiz101wp. Today, we have some great guests with us. We have Ali Medico, who is from Full Sail University in Florida, and we also have Alba Ramadani who is in talent acquisition at the Sony Music Group, Sony Music Entertainment. So thank you both for being here on this. Thank you for having me. No, thank you for <laughs> being here. Yeah, this thank you, seriously. I know, very <laughs> no, no, seriously, this is great, seriously. <laughs> Earlier we were joking, but now we're serious. <laughs> May I give <laughs> thanks real quick to two parties, Alba? Do you mind? May I give, I have to read a blurb here. Yeah, and I want to give thanks to, don't worry. <laughs> um, I want to give thanks to the folks at Van Dyne, Bruno, Inc. and White Hat Management, without whom we would not be here doing these interviews, with artists like Dave Matthews, readers Dan St. Vincent, and Kiss, there's only one place to go for your band's business management. Go to vb-cpa.com when you are ready. Um, when I point to you, Ali, say oi, okay? We want to give thanks to Christine. Oi. They, a wealth manager and president of oi. They Wealth Management. Christine has helped many of our professionals at William Patterson and everywhere else manage their investments, plan out for their retirement. If you're looking for some guidance on how to plan out for your retirement, if you have questions on anything from investments or portfolio management to insurance or retirement planning, give Christine a call at Alba. Would you please repeat, repeat after me? 732. 732-455-1510. You did a great job. I'm very proud of you. And you can email her, email her, Christine at theywealth.com for advisement. Leave the last oi off for savings. Enough of the silliness, or we're just starting with it. We are unsure. So we have Alba Ramadani, talent acquisition at Sony Music Entertainment. And Ali, you wanted to have Alba here to talk, so we have uh, 25 minutes or so. Yay. So start <laughs> the talking, and I will jump in. Okay. I guess I'm going to start out with, because this seems like a very cool, interesting job. I mean, you're going out, basically, if I'm correct, with talent acquisition and how it's different from A and R is you're you're still trying to find people to like get signed to Sony or like you're just trying to bring people into the company. Oh no, yeah, you're trying to okay, so that makes sense now. Yeah, that I'm thinking it through. Okay, so like, what's your favorite part of the job? I guess that you really like and enjoy, look forward to every day that makes it seem like it's not work to you. Uh, I love the relationship piece. I love working with people. Um, that's what I've enjoyed the most about it and why I decided to go into this field. So for me, it's all about being able to give um, the opportunity of a lifetime of somebody who really is interested in that world and 
obviously bring, bring great business to, um, you know, to our company. Alba's great because she's involved also with, uh, obviously with promotion of the of the company. Um, we I, I worked for Universal like uh, 15 years ago, and I still say I work for Universal even though I work at William Patterson. I almost did, so anyway. So um, at William Patterson on March 1st, I think it was, or March 5th, we actually 5th, took a bunch yep. of people, and we sat, and we uh, Alba was great, and she gave us a tour of the Sony Music Building in Manhattan, and then you put together a panel for us. So talk about what you do with college students in trying to promote Sony, promote the jobs there, so that you always have a pool of people to go to. Absolutely. So what I do um, with the college or the university relationship piece is that I work really closely with the recruiter for um, the internship program. And what we're trying to do is work on school strategy so that we're hiring great interns and obviously building that pipeline in order to make sure that they actually get entry level opportunities within our world. So um, not only getting them to be interns, but also building that pipeline so that they can be great employees one day. So that's my piece of it in working on the strategy of what schools to actually work with together. So we'll put, sometimes we'll have schools come and visit. Um, we'll give them tours. We'll talk to them about what we're doing and what to prep for. And then sometimes we'll have our, some of our leaders come and talk to the students to talk about what they're looking for in the business as well. Now what's great is if I'm going for a job at Sony, and we'll talk about internships after this, but I'm going for a job, it's not me just apply and then you interview me and then it's yes or no. There's more to it. Can you talk about the more part and what, what that entails and how long that takes? Absolutely. So um, the beginning part of it is obviously the application. Um, after the application, we have a conversation. You and I or any of the recruiters on the team will um, talk to the candidates first. Um, once we're done with that screen, we usually go back to the hiring team and um, provide them with the feedback. Um, if they decide to bring the person on site, we go through sometimes two to three rounds of interviews, depending on who on the team is interested in meeting with them. And then uh, final step is usually references. And after the references are complete, we move forward to the offer stage. So there's a few steps uh, um, that we need to take um, in order to move forward in the interview process. And then you'll have people do projects, Some for example. So can you explain like some of the projects that people have done in the past and what you're looking for there? Absolutely. So depending on what team you're going for, let's say you're applying for a digital marketing um, position or you're applying for an analytics position, a lot of times, depending on the department, they will um, have an, an assignment piece. That usually comes towards the end. It's usually top two or top three candidates who will get the assignment piece. Um, so the projects will differ ba based on who the team is, but a lot of times they'll give, let's say it's digital marketing, they'll tell them to put together a campaign for an artist um, and walk them through sort of what their vision is. If it's an analytics piece, we'll talk about how they can um, convert data and uh, tell a story through that, and it just really depends. But um, not every team will have an assignment, but quite a few teams um, are doing assignments now just to see how the person will um, do the work and, and how they will sort of present themselves to, to the team. We spoke earlier today with Todd Shefflin, and he works at uh, ByteDance, which owns TikTok, and he was at Spotify before that. When we were visiting with you back in March and you were talking about the projects, it reminded me of what Todd had to go through to get his job at Spotify because that was, I think he said, a three-month process. And one of the uh, a sort of uh, ultimate things he had to do was this huge project, similar, and that reminded me of you, where he had to do this big presentation to Spotify as if they were a French telco 
company. And um, so it's kind of what you're doing is you're, how about you tell me, what are you looking for in this project? What are all the different uh, characteristics of somebody that make you think this person through this project is good for us? Well, first I want to see, and the team as well, obviously mo mo most of the time the team will have that final say, but what we're looking for essentially is to, to see what their ideas will be. What will they come up with? Let's say it's an artist that maybe has not released music in a quite a bit of time, or maybe there is a new artist that we're trying to position better. I want to see what they're going to bring to the table that potentially no one else has thought about. It doesn't always have to be that way, but I just want to understand where they're coming from with it. On the analytics side, I want to know that they have a pulse in what's going on. For example, if they are telling me the reasoning behind um, their data and what they're coming up with as a story makes sense, it doesn't matter that I agree with it or not. Because someone will say to me, I think you know, Khalid should post more at 3 p.m., for example. Just an example. Mm -hmm. And I, I could potentially not agree with that, depending on what the data is telling me. But if you tell me why you thought that way, or why, what was your reasoning behind it, and that reasoning makes sense, then obviously that's great. Um, so it doesn't necessarily have to be the right answer. It's just a matter of like what your thought process is to get there. Um, if it's a media buying role, for example, I want to see what your budget is. Where are you going with it? If it's an artist that potentially has not um, released something that is of their brand and it, you want to maybe tweak a little bit of what they look like or what they sound like out there. I think it really just depends on um, the project itself. No project is the same. We don't always give the same, obviously, project. Um, if they happen to be at the same time, it could potentially be that the project will look the same or you know seem the same, but um, for across the board, because there's constant releases and constant projects, um, everyone will have a, a different feel for it. Jump in, by the way, if you have anything. Otherwise, I'll just keep okay. going. Just yeah, yeah. punch me in the face if I <laughs> talk too much. But <laughs> I, I like that you do that because the whole process from when I, let's say it's me and I'm applying just online for a job at one of the Sony labels, um, is it's, it's all about whittling away the people who aren't qualified who don't make or don't make sense for this position. And what you're really looking for is you get to this project level for whichever, and you said it's not for every position, but for specific positions, you're really finding out as much information as you can about the candidate, how they think, and maybe it's not necessarily the answer, but how do they get to that answer? And it's almost like going Correct. back to school and um, if we as professionals at the university level help develop the thinking of these students, help them understand to get from point A to point C, you have to go through point B, and you have to really think it through. Um, I have an entrepreneurship class that I teach, for example, um, entrepreneurship in music, where people are, uh, students are marketing some new business they want to start, whether it's a label, whether it's a band, some, somebody actually did a restaurant, but a lot of them, I noticed they weren't thinking it all the way through. They were giving gener generalities. You know, um, to promote it, I'll do social media. And I kept saying, well, what is social I mean, media? That's right. a thousand different things. What about a budget? What about a specific platform? And on that platform, what are you going to do? And then how are you going to do that? So exactly. to me, it sounds like you're carrying that even further. And if I'm a student listening to this, I need to learn how to think more specifically and detailed to appeal to someone like you. Absolutely, yes. I mean, when it comes down to interviewing, I think a lot of times where people fail and they don't realize is that it's not that their answers are wrong, is that they're too general or too broad. They're not being specific. And it's sort of if I was looking for somebody to replace me, 
if I ask you how is it that you're finding talent that potentially is not applying, right? If it's a job that is really tough to find, if, if you don't have applicants, qualified applicants in your application tracking pool, where are you finding them? And so they'll tell me I will passively source them, but that's a general answer. Where are you going to get them? What site are you using? And if that site is not going to help you, what are you doing next? And so being specific and walking through the steps, and so it's not like I'm probing you to give me the right answer, is really helpful. Like if you walk me through your process from A to Z, then I understand that you actually have a plan in place and you've actually done it before. But if you're giving me general answers, and not just me, every you know everybody else involved in the process, obviously. Um, anytime that somebody's too general, too broad, tells us that potentially they have never done it before or they're trying to be safe. It doesn't necessarily, they're not qualified. It's just that they're not putting, you know, the best um, answers out there. And I've, I've had that issue myself when I was very early in my career. One of the um, things that one of the hiring managers mentioned to me and I said, could you give me some feedback about what I could have improved on in the, in the interview process? And she said, I wish that you would have just been more specific about what it is that you would have done to you know, get to the project and, and finish the project versus you just telling me some general answer of what you would have done. And so that helped me understand that, you know, a lot of people that what they were looking for was specifics. And it's very, it's a small tweak because it's not that I hadn't done it. It's just that I thought, you know, she's not going to want to know, you know, all the intricacies of how am I going to get there? Why wouldn't she want to know or he or whoever? And so I think being really specific about what you do, and if, if you don't know, then you don't know, and that's that's okay too, to just say, I haven't done this before, but whatever your answer is, um, I think we'll come really closely to knowing whether you've done it or not by the questions we'll ask anyway, so might as well not you know, embellish, for lack of a better word. Yeah, so I want a job at Sony, and uh, I'm applying online for, let's say it's a, uh, in radio promotion for RCA. And uh, so I apply online. Before it gets to you or your department, and maybe the next thing you could be is you could tell us how your department is structured and how many people. Before it gets to you, tell me, does a uh, software system uh, filter out looking at keywords and things and then spit out to you of the 300 people who applied here, the 20 best, how, how does that work? So people applying know the best way to apply through a soft an impersonal software. Yes. So we have an application tracking system, and every company does. Most companies do, essentially. Um, so applicants will go through the system. Um, they'll filter if we ask it to. And majority of the time, we won't because we have a, a way of searching through it. It's called a Boolean search. So you put specific keywords that you're looking for. Um, and that's how we do searches on LinkedIn or Indeed or Google or wherever you know you're you're passively sourcing. But essentially, in the application tracking system, if we're looking for specifics, we we will do that. But a lot of times, we want to see who's going to apply. So it's not necessarily that way. It, it won't filter unless you ask it to. Um, in terms of what you can do, first of all, I. I want people to make sure, and I always say this, everything is about keywords and, and there should be keywords that you're using in your resume. That does not mean that if you haven't done it, you go f look for the keyword, you copy and paste it into your resume. Back to the embellishment part. Correct. Don't, don't embellish if it's not right. true. Because a lot of times when I say to people, make sure that you know it has the keywords, 
um, I think they confuse it by saying like put whatever <laughs> you want in there and it's sort of like if you haven't done it don't do it but if the word that you if the work that you've done is equal to those words then you should put it there because especially if you're looking at a job description in the qualification section um, there is a lot of what we're looking for let's say if we're looking for a system certain system or we're looking for experience with um, certain software it'll say that so if you've worked with those systems or software if you have that experience it's a great opportunity to put it on your resume if you haven't obviously don't but majority of the time we'll look for for that and I know a, a ton of people that have a like a great amount of skill set and it's not in their resume um, like if let's say they they're working on Python or SQL or Excel or Excel is an everyday thing, but depending on whether they're doing pivot tables or different things like that, but it's not on their resume because it d I don't know why, to be honest. Um, and for some people, um, they they don't put it obviously because they haven't done it. So if you don't have it on your resume, I'm just going to assume that you don't have the skill set, and then that's elimination one on one. In terms of if you if we're looking for SQL and you don't have SQL, why would you apply? So that's really that's really what it is. Um, the qualifications are the basic um, understanding of like what we're looking for. If it says preferred, then obviously it's not a must. If it says this is what qualifies you for the role, then it is a must. So I think that's where sometimes there's a little bit of a gray area that you know a lot of people think they can just kind of go for it, and that's not correct. Okay, so then it gets through. Remember the word resume, Allie. Tell me in a second resume. Okay. Um, say, actually, say, tell me resume Amber Grimes. Okay, remember that, because that's a clue, because of, of my next question. But I wanted to finish this line of thinking. Sure. So um, you get, you filter or don't filter the responses, and then they all, they come out by a certain date or rolling as they go. Mm -hmm. um, you're looking for what you're looking for. It goes through you, and then you rec you and your team, and then you can again tell who oh yeah, who's on I your team, and then right. where does the resume go from there, and generally how many? Right. So our team consists of a we have a director, uh, myself, the manager on the team. We have a specialist on the team. We have a tech recruiter. Um, we have a interim recruiter and a coordinator on the team, and a team assistant, um, and then. For the orchard, um, which we work with really closely as well, there is a tech recruiter there as well. Um, so, you know, depending on bandwidth, we kind of share the roles. It doesn't necessarily happen that um, we don't necessarily go. For example, I don't only work on RCA or Epic or Columbia. I work across. So we work across labels. We work across the global digital business. Um, it's not like, oh, Alba worked, for example, with Ali, so Ali and Alba can work again together. It doesn't necessarily happen that way. It's more along the lines of who has the bandwidth to take a role that just became posted. Um, something that we try to do is if I fill the role with the team and another role opens up, sometimes it's beneficial to just, if I took a person that's internal, I, I should be replacing them because I've already kind of been interacting with that team. So it's not always the case, but we try to do that. Um, for the most part, it just depends on bandwidth. Um, we want to make sure that everybody feels like they have a general sense of what's going on and that it's not a, oh, we're getting the jobs that someone else doesn't want to fill, for example. We want to make sure that everybody feels um, great about working with several different areas. Um, so the team has gotten quite 
much bigger than I when I first landed. It was about four of us when I first started. So it's about five or six of us right now and potentially even larger down the line. But essentially, it's quite a bit because we go across, um, whether they are roles in New York, LA, Miami, Nashville, or anywhere else that we are in the business, depending on what the need is. Um, but yeah, I mean, when the resume comes into the application tracking system, let's say the job is mine, depending on who owns it, that's really what it is. If I own it, I will look through the resumes based on what the hiring team is looking for. And they obviously gave you specifics as right. to here's well, what I want. Yes, right. we usually have a kickoff meeting when the role opens and we talk about what they're looking for, what they want, how they want the interview structured, how many people do they want to see. Um, and we post every job that we have open. A lot of people have a misconception that we will have hidden jobs or not post jobs, but everything that we have open, we'll post. Do you almost by law have to do that? Yes, okay, for sure. Yeah. But we, I mean, as from what I know, at least I, we don't have, you know, uh, like a hidden post or agenda or like whatever Like a hidden menu at Starbucks or something. Yeah, right. <laughs> not a thing. No, I mean, right. if a job is open or uh, was open at any point, it will be open and, and we will be taking applications. Um, and so once we have the resumes and we're looking through, um, I usually reach out to the hiring team and say, these are the people that, you know, we shortlisted that we think might be a good fit. Let us know what you think. So let's say you said 10. Sometimes they love five. Sometimes they love 10. Mm -hmm. It depends. Um, and we go and we screen everyone. Once we screen them, we provide notes to the team. And then we move forward to the on-site interviews. Screening might be a phone call. A phone call. It could be a video interview. It could be an in-person. It really depends on what they want. And it depends on the role. If it's a more senior role, we'll meet with them in person. It also depends what the team is looking for, what kind of um, skill set they're looking for, and do they want us to, sometimes they'll want us to vet them beforehand. Like sometimes they want us to do a video interview, meet with them in person. Sometimes they want us to send an assignment before they meet with them in person. It just, it really depends on what they want. We, we tailor it to how the team wants it. It really depends on the team. And then it goes to them, and then obviously they start making the decision. It's not out of your hands because you're still kind of finessing it, but it's really you're not making, obviously, that decision after that point there. Well, it depends. Um, I think we partner quite a bit with the business. Um, at the end of the day, it's their decision as to obviously who they want to hire because it's their team. But there are specific times that, you know, they'll ask us, like, what we, th what we think. Like, let's say they have two top candidates. And they'll ask me it more of an opinion, like if you had to pick one, which one would it be? And I have hiring managers that involve me in that process. And I have hiring managers that have a huge team. They don't necessarily need to. If they have a smaller team, it, it does happen quite a bit. Sometimes for some teams, I'm there for their presentations and I definitely have input on that. Sometimes not. I think, like I said, it, it just really depends. Right, okay. And where do recruiters come in? Uh, uh, for example, um, if, especially if you, if you are on LinkedIn, you, you can set you set it so recruiters can find you. Um, do sometimes recruiters find a job or headhunters? You know, um, like I got a job once at a company. I was working at Universal, and a headhunter found me, um, had this position, and got me the interview. And the headhunter got if they placed me, would get some money for it. Um, do you guys deal with headhunters, recruiters, that kind of thing? In-house recruiters will not get. Um, a bonus for hiring someone because that's right, their right. job. I'm, yeah, I'm thinking outside. Yeah, we outside. don't necessarily 
work with headhunters, at least not my department. Um, I think sometimes if it's a um, for certain searches, sometimes a hiring team wants to have like they have existing relationship with an agency, for example, and an agency usually has a headhunter. That could potentially happen. Um, Maybe for much higher level positions, upper sometimes VP kind of. Yes. Yeah. So sometimes for senior level roles, not always. Um, I think it depends on the team. Um, and sometimes it could be a specific, like a very niche role that that team is used to having um, an agency relationship because they'll work on having them as a consultant first before they make them into staff. Some t we have a um, temp agency um, in-house that we a lot of times we'll utilize the temp agency and that way we can see what they're like and sort of hire them down the line. Um, so it could be many different areas, um, but on our majority of our roles, um, we don't necessarily work with um, an outside agency because that's what we do. That's our job. Okay. Have, have we exhausted this line of thinking? We have about three minutes left. Okay. I'm so sorry. I have a call. Um, it's <laughs> calling me right now, so I need to get no it. No worries. Final question as we go. Mm -hmm. uh, Amber Grimes, Capital Music Group, said yes. resumes, make them crazy, make them creative. Alba Ramadani at uh, Sony Music. Traditional resume, black and white print. If if you're depending on the role, mm -hmm. if it's a graphics, if it's a graphics role, if it's a content creation role, if it's creative, go crazy if you want to. But please make make sure we can read it. Um, otherwise, um, simple, concise, to the point. Thank you. Okay. Makes sense. Really like it. Yeah, that's great. Perfect. Thank, Thank you very much for appearing on Music Biz One One. I'm going to clap for you. Okay. Thank you so much. <laughs> Thank you, thank you, thank you. That was really great. So thank that. you. You stay here for a second because okay. as she goes, I'm going to ask you a couple things. Thank you yeah. so much. No, I appreciate it. Thanks so much. I appreciate it. Bye-bye, Alba. All right, so now that she's gone, we could talk about her. Um, so what, I what did you think as somebody who you're going to graduate in one more year? Because we're, right? So, okay, so we're right now in May 2019. Uh, all the different things she said as a college student who is looking to apply for jobs in a year. Um, and for listeners, assume a lot of the stuff she talked about is the same for internships as it is for jobs. So, but you're going to be looking for a job for a year. What did you learn she from that? She said a lot of the things that, that I away? resonate with as a as a person with really down to earth beliefs. So, like the fact that she said, um, "Don't embellish it," and I think it's easy to want to do that, especially in our world where we try to sometimes like make sure we have every skill set check marked off. But you also want to make sure you're you know, really focusing on like maybe one or two that you're really good at is I get it because I mean, I've been there and done that before where I put down things in the past for not necessarily jobs, but just maybe school events. And I was like, yeah, I really don't know how to do this. I'm trying to wing it, but like just to try to secure that so I could put on my resume. So I think that point was really good because, um, you know, just just be honest, like employers really want to see that because there are going to be times that you're tested and you don't want to have to fake it because, I mean, they're in the entertainment industry. They can sniff it out. I think somebody else earlier said that, too. They can smell it from a mile away. If you're if you're not real, if you're just trying to, to wing things or just really don't know your stuff. So I definitely agree with that and her. And then also, um, you know, the whole applying process. Um, I don't know why people would think that there wouldn't be uh, jobs posted online. I mean, what you see online is what you get. Maybe that's just because... Sometimes when you think of a big picture, there's a million things like I've been learning about all these jobs that I didn't know were available in the entertainment industry because on the outside, you only see so many. And there's a lot more behind the scenes as it goes for a lot of other career paths. But she uh, made a good point. I mean, 
if you, if it's going to be available at Sony, just keep checking, keep checking, find it. Um, if it's not a job that just literally doesn't exist, it's just not a job that's not there. But maybe you could also try bringing it about, and that would be a good idea for you know, because they always want to grow as a company too. They're all over the United States and the world, so. Sony's a huge corporation that um, is probably always looking to expand more and bring new ideas to the table. And then the bringing it up with the Amber Grimes thing, I think that was a good question you asked her. I'm really happy you asked her because Amber said that, and I was like, wait, do you want to show up with a resume that's like pink and purple and like dogs all over? Because I love dogs. But then I was like, that's just not professional. So I was like, where do you draw a line with that? Because I'm a creative person, you know, in the entertainment industry, but then you want to keep it so it's not just looks like a 12 year old put together in a way. And, um, It'd be really interesting to see what kind of resume she has gotten for graphic design people and how they still went about navigating those waters of making it clear, but like them. So what that's the, so they can showcase what they could bring to that whole side, those departments. Okay. I was looking down at the clock. I wasn't trying to cut you off. No, you're Did fine. I cut you off? No. I felt like I cut okay. you off. I don't want to cut you off. Yeah. And, and I will add that um, we had Sean Striegel, who it works for Live Nation, mm-hmm. New York, New Jersey, and he was at our university back in March. And he was asked a question about applying for jobs at Live Nation. And one thing he said was if there are 12 jobs open for Live Nation and you, for whatever reason, think you're qualified for six of those, apply for one of them. If you apply for all six, they're all going to the same people. And they're going to see that there's, you're just sort of doing this scattershot um, application. You're just throwing your head into everything. And at least from his perspective, and the live, and I don't know if he was speaking for Live Nation or just himself, but from his perspective, he was like, "Dude, if I see you're uh, applying for everything, I'm not, I'm not going to take you because I want somebody who wants this job, who wants to do this job." And remember, um, people ultimately s- you're putting it into software, but it's being read by people ultimately, and you have to understand that you brought up the fact that they can smell it a mile away if you're full of it. These people have been working with every type of person who's gone for all of these jobs and they're probably fairly expert at smelling the poop, you know, smelling yeah, the BS. No, that's, a, that's a good point. I mean, I see where those students are coming from though because I think there's more of a pressure nowadays, not only with the job market getting more and more competitive and the entertainment industry also just exponentially going that way it seems like, but um, you know, I could see them wanting to apply to everything to, you know, secure that job so they don't have to worry about you know, their debt just piling up after they graduate and so forth, yada, yada. But at the same time, I can see it from the employer's perspective where they're like, okay, this person just literally doesn't know what they're doing. They probably just clicked this one button and said select all and boom. And then it's like, you know, so that's that's a very interesting thing because I'm pretty sure I could bet on it that there are companies, though, that would want somebody to maybe apply for three or four because they might have that many skills, you know. There's people that are really talented. So I think it just depends. You really got to do your research on the company, which is a huge thing that I've learned to do, and I've been trying to pass that along to people. You know, before you go into interviews, before you apply, like really know your research and what this position entails. You might hear the name of it and think it's something, but it's something completely different to that division or um, that multimedia company. They might be specializing in like not just artist management, but maybe management more so with the whole like band and the crew and like everything else instead of one person you know it's just so many different variations with things you really have to know what's going on what's up just be smart about things and take your time to plan them out I mean don't be rushing on that because just because you failed to plan and three months before you graduate you're like oh snap I need a job like no start like me like a year out a year and a half I don't know the earlier the better nowadays it just really shows initiative and as a young person that says a lot to these companies and they're like, wow, they have that much energy and that strive and greatness to be p- applying that early. 
they're going to make it this far in the company. I'm going to get them in now so that way they can get to the top. You know what I mean? And, and maybe pass me up and I can help them along the way and be a mentor in the beginning to them. So That's great. That's a great answer. So this has been Music Biz 101 and more. Music Biz at Music Biz in the Music City. We've been at the Music Biz Conference and we want to thank everybody at Music Biz 2019 for helping us arrange all these interviews. In fact, this was done in one of their boardrooms with right now the three people in the room trying to concentrate very good. <laughs> Very hard, but we just keep talking, uh, and they're <laughs> now making faces. And <laughs> hopefully, they um. got something out of this. But this has been a great. So, Ali Medico, thank you very much. Thank Alba you. Alba Ramadani, who has left the room, like Elvis, uh, we appreciate her time. And I would recommend to all listeners listen to our uh, podcast with Amber Grimes from uh, SVP Global Creative at Capital Music Group. She touches upon a lot of stuff that we talked about here from the uh, upper level perspective. So, for Ali, for Dr. Esteban Marconi, who couldn't be here. And for Alba, I want to thank you. And at the end of every show, we don't say hello. Do you know what we say? Adios. Adios. <laughs>